today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. COVID-19 pandemic, Delta variants, it's all with us right now. Uh, first and foremost, we need to get down to the basics about where we are on this. And uh, it's, it's a troubling picture right now. Ontario's daily COVID-19 tally has now passed the 700 mark for the first time since June. The pandemic has certainly been tough on our healthcare workers, but so many other people are being impacted by this too. Emily Javesky has some details. Ontario is reporting 722 cases of COVID-19 and two new deaths linked to the virus. Health Minister Christine Elliott says 564 of the latest infections are among people who either are not fully immunized or have unknown vaccination status. Elliott says 82% of Ontarians over the age of 12 have received one dose of vaccine and slightly under 75% have received two. Emily Javesky, The Canadian Press, Toronto. So those numbers are in themselves troubling, but uh, there seems to be some concern uh, about messaging when it comes to COVID and information as well. Uh, we're so pleased to welcome back to the program Dr. Peter Uni. Dr. Uni is the director of Ontario Science Table and a professor of medicine and epidemiology at the University of Toronto. Uh, doctor, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. I, I'm, I'm very interested in getting you read on some of these numbers. But first of all, let me talk about the, the breaking news that uh, we've been talking about on the newscast here through the course of the morning. Uh, one of your colleagues, I guess now former colleagues, uh, has resigned from the science table. Dr. David Fisman uh, sent a letter of resignation. And I, I just got to read a line of this to, for, so our listeners have the context here. Uh, Dr. Fisman writes, more recently, I find myself increasingly uncomfortable with the degree to which political considerations appear to be driving outputs from the table or at least the degree to which these outputs are shared in a transparent manner with the public. Uh, and it goes on and on, but I, I'm sure you've seen that, and you, our listeners now have the gist of this. Uh, yes. When you were on the program, Doctor, a couple of months ago, you expressed some frustration about the, what you would, as a science table were presenting and what the government was presenting. Uh, there seemed to be some miscommunication there. Is, is, is that what Dr. Fisman seems to be alluding to? No, I don't think so. So, look, um, I think it's very unfortunate. David is a, is an excellent scientist. It's very unfortunate that he resigned. Um, but, you know, we continue to do our work and we're not at arm's length from the government. We are completely independent of the government. And, you know, while we need to really navigate all of this well, you know, if it comes to modeling, for example, we just need to get it right. And there is a process in place that hasn't happened during the summer break, actually. And this, uh, this, uh, because the, you know, the modelers had 18 months in a row just working, working, working. And this process includes uh, looking at a variety of models and then find consensus and uh, show then you know, the range of uh, potential projections. And this hasn't happened. And, and um, I think the discussion now just relates to that, that we don't want just to go out with a single model, for example. Um, and this will happen eventually. This is uh, quality assurance and scientific considerations that we're having and not uh, political considerations. You've, you know, you've heard me before. So far, um, I'm uh, really trying to be honest, um, as honest as I possibly can be with the public, and this will continue to be the case. And, and I think your reputation is, is solidly that, that you're very candid in your comments. And but in previous email, your tweets rather, before that, and I don't want to belabor this too much, but uh, Dr. Fisman seemed to indicate that uh, there is uh, modeling data that's available right now that he seemed to insinuate paints a pretty dark picture. And for some reason, it's not being released. Is, is, is Now, that I know the official answer from the uh, the science table was, that well, that work is not complete yet. What is the status of that, Doctor? Well, that's true. So first of all, 
this, you know, this, uh, that of course, there are models out there. We also get uh, sent model output as well. And as comes to what he probably refers to, I'm not completely sure what he does because we haven't talked about that. This is coming from a, a single modeler who is actually not even uh, right now yet a member of the modeling consensus table. You know, the point is there are a lot of models out there and they will, and we want to get this right here. The point um, being that when you look also at other places in the world, um, we see the same sort of pattern. The pattern is now after we left step two of the reopening, we start to be in exponential growth. It looks actually better right now than it uh, used to in about, about 10 days ago. But it's clear that we're not out of the woods yet and then some extent of restriction will be required in addition to a continued vaccine effort to get to the next level. The next level will be that we vaccinate kids below the age of 12, hopefully in December. And what we need now, of course, is again, reliable modeling and, you know, we, uh, this is a volunteer table. I mean, we can't expect from uh, from the, the volunteers that we're having out there just to do everything just, uh, you know, on day X, Y or Z. This is happening now in the background. And when the new modeling, the consensus is ready, this will go out as usual. Last week, we had uh, Dr. Kira Moore, the uh, medical officer of health, chief medical officer for the province of Ontario on the program. And he, uh, I'll just paraphrase the doctor, suggested that uh, we need to face the hard and truthful facts here, that uh, it's going to be a very frustrating, uh, not just fall, but into winter as well. And we need to be cognizant of that. Do you share that view? Yeah, we need to be aware of that. You know, we will be out of the woods completely with the alpha variant. We talked about that before. And with Delta, mm -hmm. we are not. But... The point really is people need to understand there's a solution there and the solution is very simple, getting vaccinated. And you know what we now really need to make sure is that people understand their theoretical considerations about safety of the vaccine or that it has been around only for a relatively short period of time. They're basically just uh, are disappearing compared with the risk associated with getting infected with the Delta variant. And therefore, I really hope, you know, that people st start to just get that, that we continue all to discuss the issue and get more people now vaccinated. We even started, you know, to show new analysis on our dashboard. If you go to, uh, you know, if you Google Ontario Science Table, you will find our dashboard. We now real time daily update uh, basically the uh, COVID cases among unvaccinated and fully vaccinated with graphs, hospital occupancy and ICU occupancy. And what you see is that that yes, um, against cases, the, you know, the, the uh, reduction uh, with full vaccination is only about uh, 85 to 87% only in inverted commas. It's still great. But against, you know, admitted, uh, being admitted to the hospital and being admitted to the ICU, it's 96 to 98 percent, the reduction that we see with full vaccination. These vaccines really work and they really break, you know, all the unpleasant elements of this virus. Just get vaccinated. I sound like a broken record, but it's just really important now for everybody. People will get infected during the next 12 months if they're not vaccinated for sure. And if they're not vaccinated, they will have a relatively high risk to end up on an ICU, which is completely preventable and therefore for all of us so painful to see if people continue to think theoretically about, you know, potential safety issues with the vaccines. 
there's an interesting uh, analogy, and you've kind of bottom line this at the science table that I just wanted to uh, bring to our listeners' attention. Uh, and you use an example here, a hypothetical example of a room full of 100 Canadians uh, that are representative of the population. 35 of them probably are unvaccinated, and you say of those 35, probably 33 of them can expect to become infected with the virus as it circulates the room. Uh, that, that that pretty much underscores exactly what you're saying. That uh, there's almost a sense of inevitability. If you're not vaccinated, you're you're at very very high risk. Yeah, this was the journalist who brought up this analogy, not me. But the point really is, yeah, the virus will circulate not the room but the province, and all of these, nearly all of these people, you know, nine out of ten people are not vaccinated, based, you know, on on very straightforward models, will get infected during the next six to twelve months. Whether it's six or twelve, I can't tell you. It depends on the behavior of people. But this virus is eventually finding everybody. Therefore, it's so important to get vaccinated. You break the problems. Uh, of the virus by getting vaccinated. You mentioned the vaccines, and and uh, you know we've we've been preaching from the same sheet as as you have that this is absolutely, absolutely. essential that people have to get both of them. Uh, but we're also finding now that uh, there's some concern being raised in in some circles about just how long that vaccine is going to be effective. And and you know that some jurisdictions, doctor, have already started to opt for a third shot, a third vaccine now, uh, especially for the most vulnerable people. Are, are you okay with that protocol? Yes, look, we need to look into two things. One is we were in a completely different situation as especially Israel. You know, you're implicitly referring to Israel that is uh, starting or has started already the booster shots. Israel, they did according to the cookbook uh, originally of Pfizer and just vaccinated people first dose and then the second dose within three to four weeks. We didn't do that according to that cookbook. You know, we suggested early on and and then NASA did that and then others to have a bigger gap to first get um, the most um, um, bang for the buck when we still had the alpha variant and this was associated with one dose and then the second dose came much later. Now what we know now with hindsight that not only we did the right thing at the moment because of the alpha variant but also our protection is better. Meaning if you have a larger interval between first and second dose your antibodies in the blood will be higher and this means this, this, uh, this waning immunity against being infected will probably be less pronounced with us a bit than in Israel. We will see how it goes. And things start to may still start to be an issue after six to eight months after uh, the second dose. Now, the real point here is, well, every uh, single data point I've seen so far that looks at hospitalization and ICU admission shows that the protection against hospitalization and ICU admission is maintained. The only thing that changes is that if you are perhaps eight or 10 months down the line, especially if you're elderly or have, you know, an immunosuppressant or so, then um, you have uh, less protection against infection and transmitting the virus. So that changes. So this eightfold decrease, you know, in the risk of getting infected right now, perhaps will become fivefold over time and then fourfold or threefold decrease. It's still protective, but not that high anymore. What does this mean? Again, the unvaccinated are then even more exposed the longer this goes. Therefore, the unvaccinated should do the right thing and protect themselves and also protect others. 
You mentioned about some of the variants. Let's talk about that if we could for a couple of seconds. Uh, you know, the, there's a gamma variant, of course. We talked about the belt, the beta variant, and now we're dealing with the delta variant, uh, which is, as we're told now, uh, more transmissible and, and possibly more serious than all of the others. Uh, are you concerned about yet another variant if this thing lingers? Look, this is a bit like at the Olympics. Uh, once you have somebody, uh, you know, a sprinter who does 100 meters in, don't ask me, 9.6 seconds or so, it's very difficult to beat them. No, and uh, I would hope that Delta is really now the uh, the uh, optimum, you know, from an evolutionary perspective. Can I guarantee that now? No, of course not. We don't know what's coming, um, but Delta is actually a pretty mean adversary already. So I would hope uh, it doesn't get worse than that. We will see. Therefore, it's important to continue, you know, the work we're doing, and it will also be important, you know, to continue to be careful with the borders because um, typically once you become of a variant being a problem it's already too late it's already in the country is uh in in some people's minds uh, some of your colleagues are concerned about you know where we're going with this from a political standpoint and i know that's not your main focus your main focus is is public health and, and the great work that you are doing at the science table uh but some are suggesting that a, some form of lockdown may be inevitable at some point to try to get a harness on this uh because as bad as the numbers are now they're expected to go even higher uh when the kids go back to school and people start to some anyway start to return to the workforce uh is there a way to mitigate that damage is the way to avoid what some people are saying is an inevitable lockdown yeah, look, so first of all, we need to be aware of uh, that we need to define what is a lockdown right now. No? Um, some restrictions will be inevitable. Now, the point is really, if we um, actually get at least 50% of the 850,000 people out there, 50 plus, who are not yet fully vaccinated to be fully vaccinated, our burden, our theoretical burden on the ICUs will decrease, obviously quite considerably by about 40%, which will help us already. That's one point. So we need to get the right people to be vaccinated. And then we need to make it, you know, with good protection of schools into the period of time, hopefully end of the year, when we also can get vaccinated the, uh, the lower age groups. That will all help. Will this be enough? No, it won't. There will be some sort of restrictions and we need just to be aware of that. While case numbers can go higher than before, first of all, right now, this is not the case yet because of the schools with below 12 year olds not being vaccinated yet. But uh, once they're vaccinated, we can also, you know, change this attitude a little bit. But uh, the other part is, is, then, uh, is then also that we need just to keep the ICUs okay, meaning we need to find, you know, a common understanding about how many ICU beds can be occupied by COVID-19 patients. That's what we're facing too. If we then keep having unvaccinated people, these unvaccinated people will occupy our ICUs. And we need to make sure that we still can continue to do all the non-COVID healthcare in the hospitals, have the operations going, etc. So we will need to find a new balance. And there will be a moment after kids below the age of 12 have been vaccinated, where it's mainly hospital occupancy and ICU occupancy with COVID-19 patients that will determine how much additional restrictions are needed. Can we do it without restrictions? Forget it. It's impossible. Uh, some of those are already in place, and, and you've mentioned, and I know many of your colleagues have talked about the idea that we still have to maintain uh, the, the protocol that, that we as, as individuals uh, should be maintaining, that is face masks, social distancing, uh, and large crowds, avoiding large crowds as it was. Is, would your advice be to governments, not just this provincial government, but all governments, to hit the pause button until we get these numbers under control? 
Oh, look, what means numbers under control? Again, we need to be aware of there is eventually everybody needs to get infected or vaccinated. There's no way out, no? And we need to go there and we don't want to close too much. But the point right now is we have high risk settings out there, indoor dining, bars, clubs, gyms. What do we do with these settings? You know, and the big question here we are again with vaccine certificates, even if people don't, some people don't want to hear it, others will. Um, you know, there is a possibility to have restrictions imposed only for the vulnerable. And the vulnerable are those who are not fully vaccinated. And I continue to believe, and we see that in other places in the world, including Quebec, that having vaccine certificates that say, okay, you need to be fully vaccinated if you enter a gym, for example, um, that this could make a difference because what do we do with that? We prevent people uh, who are not vaccinated from getting infected in the high-risk setting and then potentially ending up on our ICUs. Dr. Peter Uni, doctor, as always, great to get your perspective on this and your candid comments on this. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Take care. Dr. Peter Uni, of course, is the director of the Ontario Science Table and a professor of medicine and epidemiology at the U of T. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.